the idea that I'm enough and the idea that I'm okay exactly as I am and that I'm a work in progress and I always will be are have been the most liberating underlying beliefs that have allowed me to sort of move forward and take action in all these other areas of my life and do so much creating, right? Because if you're if you're afraid of presenting yourself because you feel like you're not enough, you know, you, you lurk in the shadows indefinitely. Welcome to the Healer Dealer Podcast. This is an invitation to be inspired, get curious, expand and empower your own gifts through conversations with the modern healers of our time. The only way to heal ourselves is to deal with it. I'm your healer dealer, Diana Zaloki. So excited you're here. Let's get started. Hi, my sweet, sweet friends. Taking care of your emotional and spiritual well-being is just as important as taking care of your physical health during stressful times. I can help connect you with your spiritual team, bringing insight, clarity, and confidence, helping alleviate a lot of stress you may be feeling. There is so much support around us that I can help you connect with your spiritual team through an Akashic Records reading. Please know you are not alone. There's so much support around you and I can help you connect with your team. DM or email me, Healer Dealer, for a special rate and to learn more. Cheers. I am so excited. I have Shauna Ryder. I said it right, right? Yes. Right, Ryder. And she is the founder of Alaya Naturals, which is a whole line of organic, um, like, I don't want to say pills, but like nutritional powders and herbs and um, pretty much a whole support line to help elevate your health holistically, um, especially if you're not getting all your daily nutri- nutrients in. Would you say that's a good summary yeah, of it? Yeah, it's, it's a perfect summary. <laughs> but you. outside of that, so full disclosure, yeah. Shauna and I share a best friend, correct, uh, Dr. Amanda Cohen, who will also be on this podcast. And that is how I met her. And I will never forget when I first met Shauna. It was at Amanda's wedding and you were pregnant with your daughter, Maya. Yes. And you had your hair in a top knot and you had like no makeup on and you're wearing a bridesmaid's dress with your perfectly round belly <laughs> and I just remember thinking like who the fuck is that she's so gorgeous literally looks like a real life Aww. Disney princess and just like super calm and chill and you're just like you have this grounded um like carefree but super aware Mm. energy that I just really love and it feels really good to be around thank you I literally the the hairs are standing up on on my arms just thank you so much I'm just receiving everything that you're saying and really just wholly appreciating it yes because there's people you meet that are like chill and relaxed but you are really there is like a groundedness uh, this like powerful wise woman um like energy that you carry with you and it makes you like that much more beautiful so it's like okay all right she's beautiful on the outside but then it's like it it like elevates it like times 10 times 100 thank you so so much for these gorgeous (laughs) words i will be replaying this date multiple times a week it's gonna be my mantra anytime i'm feeling so the thing i so i touched on that but obviously there's a lot that people don't know that haven't seen the process of you becoming the woman that you've become Mm -hmm. and you have experienced so much and have done a lot of um different variations of expression in your uh wide net of talents to get to the place where you are and can we touch on a little bit like so you're doing you you're a founder of alaya naturals um which it was inspired by your own um, health journey um, throughout your whole life mm-hmm. uh, growing up with um, a, a autoimmune disease, yes. is that correct? Yes. And then also like peeling off the layers of um, emotion manifesting in the body in different ways and really that east-west perspective. Yes. Um, I know it's kind of like a loaded uh, topic possibly, but can you touch on that a little bit? Like how mm-hmm. your process, uh, how growing up, um, and the things you've experienced have inspired where you are now with this, uh, with Alaya Naturals? Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, you mentioned the autoimmune condition. I, I really truly believe that so much of disease is connected to the mind. Mm-hmm. And so if we don't peel back the layers of our underlying beliefs and the thoughts that we've habituated, it's really hard, at least it was for me, to heal the underlying cause of disease. 
So a lot of the work I've done my entire life has related to nutrition, which is what I'm focusing on now in my business. Um, but I love that you use the word process because so much of being well and staying well in requires process. For me, that process began with really understanding what I believe, what I believe about myself, what I believe about the world, what I believe about myself in relation to the world, and recognizing how powerful my thoughts are. And as I began to step into that awareness, the process, to use your word, began um, of really kind of taking my health into my own hands and understanding that it is entirely holistic. As you said, it involves the mind, body, spirit, emotion, you know, connection. Everything, if, if one facet of our being is out of sync, it throws the, the, the ship underwater, if that makes sense. So for me, over the past many, many years, I've been investigating different ways to heal. And I don't think there's just one. I think that there are different modalities for different people. I personally require <laughs> a village. Yeah, so can you talk about some of the village? Yeah, like, yeah. I'm fascinated because I am on the same um, point of, like, I don't think anything is just from one thing specifically. Mm -hmm. I think we collect these gems totally. along the way of insight and information and practice that right. we incorporate. Um, so what are some of the things that you would say has been a part of your village? Well, you know, for me personally, a lot of my issues began with sleep. You know, I had a lot of inflammation and I was having digestive issues, but I also was a severe insomniac. And so I started doing EMDR for that. And what can you which is biofeedback. Oh, okay. So EMDR is when you basically trace an object from left to right, but you do it in a calculated, very specific way, usually by a trained professional uh, or a doctor of sorts. So would you go to a therapist for that? Yes. Okay. Um, there are people who are trained specifically in EMDR. And what it does basically is it moves the the memory um, from the part of our brain that is usually st storing emotion um, to a part of the brain that is less emotionally charged. Um, so, you know, we all remember things that are troubling or we all have experiences that are uh, a little bit challenging for us, but how we interpret the experience defines our relationship to it, right? So I could experience something that I consider to be really traumatic, and it might have a really profound effect on me physiologically, but another person having the same experience might interpret it differently. And for them, it might be a learning opportunity, or it might be a source of growth that they consciously in the moment are able to work through in ways that are actually really valuable and productive for the system of their body. So in other words, uh, how we perceive things is very impactful. And so I think that, you know, Every single experience we have is valuable as long as the emotional charge over time isn't still activated every single time we recall that, you know, particular trauma or emotion. Um, so what EMDR does is it basically helps you, it doesn't annihilate the memory, but it, it helps you diminish some of the emotional charge affiliated with a particular experience by moving it into a different part of your brain. So you're transmuting it into a, a different level, like so there's less heat around it. Exactly. Okay. So, you can re so you can talk about it, recall it, understand it, and, and its value without being triggered by it. It's so interesting because when I hear that, I think about, that this is where I just fucking love science yeah. and the spiritual and all the things in between because when I'm hearing that I'm thinking about like every healing modality mm -hmm. because when we talk about being healed and like our shadow and our light it's like I feel whatever trauma we've experienced it never fully goes away mm -mm. we're just transmuting the meaning of it to us and how we move forward in our lives using that now as a superpower versus something that's uh, you know like affecting us in a, a crippling way to do right the things something that's paralyzing process. so would you say that um process was like a good baseline foundation through the rest of your exploration in um 
in healing and 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 uh, for your insomnia. I, I don't know if it was a baseline because that I feel like makes it a little bit too foundational and, and, and too much of a. Um, it heightens and maybe elevates the the degree to which it was effective for me. But it was one, like you were saying, you know, it was one of many different components. So uh, I, I did traditional, classic, you know, cognitive behavioral therapy, um, and you know, body work because we store a lot of emotion in our body, and there's cellular tension that occurs, and we, you know, have a tendency to sometimes, you know, habituate um, short-term acute. Uh, anxiety and then over time it sort of it transitions almost into our personality you know so um, I do a lot of body work to kind of release whatever is being stored in my system what's body work to you body work is you know I've worked I've worked with trained people who again you know this is their entire lives but they've collected sort of um different kinds of skills to help release trauma from the body and so with that I don't want to sort of you know prolong you know a conversation that I know very little about in terms of no, what their approach is your body work I think specifically but, like massage yeah and, well I think massage is yeah. is very healing there's a different level of intentionality um for people who actually know how to release cellular based trauma or emotion that's stored on the cellular level um you know because our bodies are like little you know our cells are little prisons basically you know it's like we capture things in them in my opinion that's how I view it you know that's a little bit of an esoteric and very no, simplified approach but I feel like we kind of we harness life in our in our soul and our psyche and in our cells and so whatever is in there rolling around we need to address and if it's paralyzing and crippling because it's negative or it's holding a belief pattern about who we are fundamentally as individuals that's inaccurate or outdated or negative it will begin to spread as disease I believe in our bodies and so I've worked with, you know, I worked with one man in particular who I don't even know exactly what it was he was doing, but he was very intuitive and he would sort of get in in there. I mean, like deeply sort of, you know, work his way into areas of tension in my body without being abrasive, you know, without kind of shocking the system. He would sort of gently and gradually work his way into releasing areas of my body that I had been clenching for probably decades, you know, and I don't think that everyone requires an individual who's trained in this kind of therapy, but, you know, just to kind of investigate the world of body work and, you know, individuals who are very attuned to where you specifically may be holding and to help facilitate that release, I think is extremely powerful. Um, and then how has nutrition on this journey, it's like you're, you're literally going through like mind, mm-hmm. body, spirit. I'd love to touch on um, how connection and exploration of your own spirituality has helped guide you to um, feeling better. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, nutrition fundamentally is when you break it down, it's feeding yourself, right? And so... For me, I think the concept of nutrition began more with music as an outlet for a, it's a sort of food for me. Um, so I think the concept of nutrition is really broad. There's nutrition that we consume in supplement form and calorically, and then there's soul nutrition, there's spirit nutrition, there's nutrition for our mind, whether it's books and things that we're reading and digesting. Um, I think that I had a very limited voice. I put myself in a position through circumstances in my life where I felt like I needed to make myself small and quiet my voice. And so for me, music was one of the most powerful forms of nutrition early on because by learning how to raise the volume of my voice selectively, you know, at will, I released a tremendous amount from my body. It was like all of these layers that had been sort of stored in me, you know, and that were sort of, that were just brewing and on kind of a, a low dimmer, like a simmering kind of, you know, um, storehouse of emotions. I was allowed to explode through song. And that was such an, a powerful release because you know, for so much of our lives, we're taught how to communicate in ways that don't offend people and don't hurt feelings. And 
you know, we need to be societally appropriate and, and take everyone else into account, you know, and with music, you're just sharing your truth and you're, it's unapologetic to some degree, you know? Well, I have had an opportunity to listen to your music and we'll do a link to it. Oh, thanks. Your voice is so powerful. Thank you. And it's literally like... I did not know that big of a voice could come out of such a petite person. Well, do you know it's so funny, Diana? When I began singing, I had to close my eyes. I never opened my eyes. I was completely like concave. I was like curved inward. You know, my posture was really poor because because of the apologetic piece. I think I I still was afraid to fully use my voice. I mean, the idea of opening my eyes while singing was horrifying to me. The idea of being on stage and exposing my song was horrifying to me. And through working with this phenomenal vocal coach, Stephen Memel, over the course of a year, we only worked together for like a year, year and a half periodically. I mean, I was teaching preschool at the time, so we kind of squeezed it in. What he taught me about owning myself and owning my voice and understanding that in accessing yourself, you give other people permission to access all of them and the power of that of that understanding that if I get to explode on stage if I get to be angry if I get to be sad if I get to be all the things I actually authentically am and you're in the audience watching me or listening to me on the radio you get to suddenly have a hall pass you know to, to feel all of those things also speaking of hall pass do you use because uh, do you use music still now personally like do you incorporate any like uh, you know I'm getting more familiar with like sound healing vocal Mm -hmm. toning do you do any of that as part of your own personal practice you know I do it instinctually and probably like it's a survival based kind of release mechanism Uh that happens on impulse like what like what would that like I'll just like make a sound like what sound would you make like Like, (laughs) that's like frustrated. Or like when I'm trying to handle, you know, dynamics with my two-year-old daughter, who's just so clever and so coy and she's absolutely adorable, but like, you know, very strong-willed herself and, and there's often a battle of the wills. I just sometimes cre- like create the noise that of the words I can't say, and it helps release it from my body. So it just anything that feels good, it might be like, ah, you know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't. It doesn't matter how stupid it sounds. It doesn't matter. See, like I it doesn't make totally sense. Gonna be like, I sing this line from one of my songs. This isn't like a Whitney Houston, you know, reenactment. <laughs> no, Celine Dion isn't being channeled. Like, the, the, see, you know, the beauty of song and sound and noise is that it doesn't have to make sense. It doesn't. You don't have to think too much about it. In fact, the more you think, I think the more it tends to kind of disrupt your flow. Like, don't you feel like that's a lot with any creative practice you have? For sure. Like, like get you out of your own head, way. Like, oh, you a know. thousand percent. You know, like when, when I was learning how to hit really high notes, um, Stephen said to me, you know, he said, every time you you're about to go for the note, I see you go into your head, and then you're flat. So what he had me do was he had me do physical things like gestures or movements or, you know, he'd give me some choreography if I was too timid or too stubborn to, you know, figure something out myself to distract myself from my mind. So I literally couldn't overthink it. And I think that's a great tool in general if you find yourself overthinking to physicalize a little bit to get out of your brain like sometimes I just like spin around in my kitchen or do some kind of weird fancy like faux tap dancing move that I can't you know I don't I'm not like a dancer but (laughs) I'll just kind of like you know improvise and do something wacky because it takes me out of my brain and then I'm allowed to actually understand what is relevant in the moment Um, and so with singing it's true that if you overthink that note you might be a little flat or a little sharp so he'd have me do some like ridiculous thing right before I was about to hit a note I always hit it when I distracted myself from the overthinking piece so you know you don't I think it's important not to edit over edit yourself in in life in general by the way like when I write you know I don't care about punctuation now speaking of writing writing. another um piece uh just because obviously a little birdie told me. Uh-huh. Didn't you write a book or you're writing a book? I just finished a rough draft of a memoir. Yeah. And that, what is, okay, well, I'm like, what is it about? <laughs> it's about my life. Your life. What's the meaning? Hence, <laughs> memoir. No, so actually, I, I wrote a novel a couple of years ago, and um, 
And then I, I gave it to a girlfriend and she said, this is like a really watered down, diluted, much less interesting version of your story. So what I had tried to do was kind of, yeah, no, she was, well, she's really honest, which makes her a really good friend. And so, you know, she said to me, like, you've got, you know, an, an innate sort of knack for writing and words and language, but, um, She's like, I see you're kind of trying to couch something deeply personal in all of these anecdotes and these, you know, fictionalized characters and in the story that isn't really cohesive because, you know, you're just trying to sort of like lop everything together. Um, I mean, I wrote it without an outline. I read, I mean, it was de- definitely a sort of Im- improvisational approach to writing, but um, she said to me just as a challenge, why don't you write what it is you really are meant to say, which is, you know, what you've experienced personally and what you know so deeply to be true. And I was like, oh, that's so indulgent and narcissistic and, you know, exposing and shameful and embarrassing. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like the same things that were going through your mind for singing. Absolutely. Well, anything I think that makes you vulnerable and exposed can bring up whatever underlying insecurities you have. I'm not good enough. I'm not enough. People won't like me. I won't like myself. I'm not worthy of being heard. You know, all the bullshit we tell ourselves. And so, of course, in writing my own story, you know, she, she said to me, just why don't you approach it as an exercise and don't think about publishing it or don't think about who's going to read it or not read it because that puts too much pressure on it. Just as a cathartic release, get it on the page. You know, so I just spent the past year writing it. And wow, just to start with the truth, I think is so important. You know, and actually to bring it back around to singing, Stephen Memel brilliant vocal coach said the same thing I would come into a session with a song I wanted to sing and I would already be trying to make it present a certain way like in my vocal style in my approach to it and he would sit me down and have me read the words out loud not sing them but read them to really internalize the story what is the message here what am I really trying to say and when you start with the truth, you're then able to, to later on improvise, edit, you know, tweak, bend, manipulate, negotiate, all of those things. But you have to know what the starting point is. And that place has to be total authenticity, right? So in a conversation you're having with your boss or with a spouse, when you're doing writing of any kind or creating of any kind, you put it on paper, you know, you get it out in your brain, you have the conversation, at least I do, I'm not saying you personally, I'm not telling other people to, but for me personally, I, I have the, the exact conversation I want to have with someone in my mind or on paper in the exact way I want to have it, no words spared, you know, without punctuation, without being polite, and then I can backtrack, and I can consciously, you know, with free will, utilize discretion and incorporate, you know, a level of elegance or grace or compassion that feels appropriate. But the starting point needs to be truth. And I think in 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 approaching disease and nutrition and wellness, if truth is our starting point, we're going to have a lot less problems to have to care, right? Like if we're really fundamentally in touch with what's going on in our in our mind and in our heart both, which sometimes can be, you know, feel like they're at odds. But if we can fundamentally tap into what feels true for us, I think we don't we don't manifest symptoms as frequently. I mean, imagine if we were able to have the conversation with our bosses that we were really thinking, you know, and all that pent up stress and anxiety in our shoulders and we store them between our shoulder blades and our head is pounding. We've got migraines. And it's like, I feel like so much of the time we're storing tension and stress simply because we haven't release the words or the sentiment or the feeling and so those emotions and those thoughts need a place to go so they slide into our bones they slide into ourselves they slip between the cracks of our shoulder blades they pound through our our forehead you know until we can't ignore them anymore does that make sense totally so i love i love 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 your um attention to the core meaning of nutrition and how it's like we think of a word like you know nurture right mm-hmm. I, I i just kept thinking that the whole time you're um speaking of that and i just love that so you're nurturing yourself through expression of your truth in these different ways so mm-hmm. you have your music 
you have the book. Um, what I'm really curious about is, so you're doing that, you're nurturing yourself on that level. And, you know, yes, we're on the same page, baseline, that can be the core of what is manifesting disease in the body. Um, so at what point in your life you, you're expressing yourself, you're, you're stepping into your power, you're owning your truth, at what point then has your attention shifted to learning more and deep diving into the science of nutrition mm-hmm. and how that works with your truth? Yes. It began very early on at about age 14 when I had ulcerative colitis and was diagnosed with Crohn's disease and um, had to really take a step back and look at what was going on in my body. The emotional piece, sure. You know, I was hoarding stress. I was, you know, um, there were a lot of unspoken things that were, I think, manifesting in disease for me personally. Not to say that there isn't ever a genetic component to things. I believe that there absolutely can be. Um, This is my story, you know, but other people have different stories. For me, nutrition became pivotal at 14 when I was dealing with these horrible digestive issues. And then the second level of awareness came into play when I was pregnant with my son and realizing that I was actually responsible now for growing another human life. And so the intensity of my desire to really understand nutrition had like a second wave of inspiration. Um, So it began out of necessity, really, when I was 14. I was in survival mode. I mean, emotionally and in certain ways, psychologically, um, and definitely physically. And I needed to step back and look at what I was eating that was aggravating my body. You know, way too much sugar, first of all. I ate a lot of fried foods at that point in my life. Um, my my meals were very meat heavy. I'm not a person who really enjoys meat particularly. It's just what we were fed and I never questioned it. Um, I did not eat enough vegetables. I certainly wasn't drinking enough water. Um, the rhythm of eating the patterns that, you know, during, at what time, the intervals, you know, at which I ate were all, were very convoluted, not very thoughtful, um, not really in response to my bodily needs. Um, and so at 14, I, I understood the value of taking a step back and, and recognizing that everything we put into our body has an effect. Um, the timing of when we eat and how we eat all matters. Um, I was very lucky that my mother's husband, um, you know, had a deep respect and reverence for nutrition and introduced us to a lot of beautiful foods I had never even heard of. It was like millet, what's that? Quinoa, you know. We knew white rice and white bread, and we thought we were doing great because we were drinking Tropicana orange juice. It was orange juice, right? So it's like, you know, great, we've got our food in for the day. And he did a really phenomenal job of introducing us to the concept of whole foods, right? So what comes from nature is ideal. We would love, you know, the majority of our diet to consist of fresh fruits and vegetables and things that don't have to be harnessed and manufactured and synthesized and processed in order to be consumed. That's the ideal. And so I began there. I definitely have a sweet tooth, and that's something that I've, you know, battled for a long time. And well, that's also something I really love about you. Yeah, I'm and never gonna stop I think you're eating like such treats. A health nut, and I just love yeah. your, like dessert all the time. Every day, baby, you gotta find ways to make it work for you. You know, like I didn't know when I was younger it was Snickers bars, right? Because I didn't know that there was an alternative. And now I make, you know, tahini cookies with maple syrup. It's like, you know, the the almond, you know, paleo gluten free. There's like nothing in it. But but that's the thing. There's really very little in it because when you're eating pure food that tastes good, you don't have to add in a bunch of processed sugars. You know, you can have a little bit of almond butter and raw cacao and maple syrup and throw it in a blender and, you know, it's dessert. Um, so I will never stop, you know, with my vegan coffee cakes and, and and whatnot. But I do feel like, you know, I am aware of how much sugar I'm eating at any given time. And I don't overdo it. When I was in my 20s, I had chronic bronchitis and sinusitis. And I was on antibiotics, you know, every few months. And I went to see a, a, this incredible acupuncturist. And, uh, and he looked at my tongue and he said, you eat too much sugar. And I said, ah, 
I was like guilty like I couldn't deny it like obviously I do right um and I'd gotten sloppy because I was so healthy for such a long period of time because I had cleaned up my diet and I was just so hyper vigilant about it that I then sort of felt like I was entitled to this you know wave in my life of just like indulgence and sort of youthful recklessness and so it was so I kind of I fell off track and it quickly began to manifest as chronic sinusitis and bronchitis so I was taking antibiotics every few months and this guy says to me you eat too much sugar I said okay well you know give me an allotment like I'm not going to cut it out altogether like what's my quota he goes two dates a day and I, I looked at him like you know he was mad two dates I said like in brownie form like date sugared brown I was like trying to figure it out so really for a period he said listen he said you're gonna get an infection within two or three weeks of being in my office because your body has habituated it and so you now you're you know you take you're on in this vicious cycle you take the antibiotics you get well you get sick again your body has now learned to expect sickness and so you will receive sickness he said the next time you get sick don't take antibiotics it's going to take a lot longer to get better but you'll be fine I said, what do I do? Just like eat dates and, you know, watch movies. He goes, just figure it out, but just don't take antibiotics. He said, I'll give you herbs if you want. Come in for acupuncture. Three weeks later, I was deathly ill. I got sinusitis. It turned into bronchitis. I ended up taking some herbs, you know, drinking a bunch of bone broth, laying off the sugar. I haven't been sick since. I mean, I have not had any kind of infection, sinusitis, bronchitis since. And I was in my early 20s. I'm 38 now. I just taken, said that. Um, any so you've never take haven't taken any um, antibiotics since. Then. I've taken antibiotics once for mastitis. I okay. had mastitis with my daughter. I tried, <laughs> actually tried, healing myself for a period of time with ointments, and I I was like scrapping through the woods, basically like foraging for salves to make by hand. And a girlfriend came over and was like, "Um, you're gonna die by, by mastitis." And she went and got me an antibiotic, and and I think I mean I really feel like she said. My like my husband was out of town with my son at the time and I was home alone with my daughter when I got the mastitis. I had never experienced anything like that with what is my son. Mastitis? It's a horrid breast infection oh, no. that you get from, you know, when you don't empty your breasts regularly enough. And so what happened was I was overproducing milk and my daughter went from waking up twice in the night to suddenly one night just sleeping through. Maybe she was going through a growth spurt, who knows? And I was so tired, I slept through the night with her and woke up after literally one night of sleeping through. I got mastitis because I had that much milk in my breast that hadn't been emptied efficiently. And when you have mastitis, you get a huge sudden fever. So I was like at like almost 104. I was completely delirious and delusional. I mean, I was having crazy hallucinatory dreams. It was kind of like fabulous, like drug-induced state, like minus the fever and minus the not being able to function, not like being able to care for my daughter. And I was in such bad shape that I called one of my best friends and I said, you need to be here with my daughter um, because I, it's not safe. Like I'm, I'm really sick and I'm a person who doesn't like to be sick. I really resent having to slow down. It's not in my nature. I'm a really slow moving person, but by choice. So I don't like being forced into any state. And so I just kind of like minimized how powerful this mastitis was and kind of kept forging ahead. And it knocked me off my feet. And, um, and thank goodness she brought that, you know, antibiotic over because I was able to continue to successfully breastfeed for another year and a half after that. But a lot of women, if, if it doesn't, if it's not treated properly, you know, aren't able to breastfeed or they're so horrified by the trauma of the experience that they choose not to continue. So I am a firm believer that there is absolutely a place for antibiotics. Um, but when you're popping them like candy for, you know, conditions that can easily be remedied through a little extra time and patience and slowing down and listening to your body and maybe some apple cider vinegar and warm bone broth or you know a stew (laughs) like that is always my go-to preference so so when you okay so you went to that um acupuncturist you got off of the antibiotics and then I got sick three weeks later. You got sick three weeks yeah. later, and then you haven't been sick since. I've had colds. Yeah, but you know, so I haven't really of... been sick. Sick. I mean, I haven't had anything that would require you know so a doctor's that time in your life, oversight. Though, what 
when did you start to, so you're, you know, you've been involved in um, educating yourself all about nutrition mm-hmm. and trial and error, what works for you. And then at what point did you decide to start a company? Start a company. Well, <laughs> so part of it was driven by my competitive nature because my husband had started a nutrition company of his own and I didn't I I wasn't taking any of his products because they weren't suitable for my status as a new mother who was breastfeeding and so I kept finding myself looking for things to satiate my just unquenchable thirst and my desire for more calories I mean I breastfed for four continuous years two children and the amount I mean just they they just strip vitamins from your body and they'll take from your bone they'll literally leach you know nutrients and calcium from your bones if they have to they're baby vampires they I mean they they, in utero they start as little alien baby vampires and then they emerge and are still kind of just you know sucking the life force out of you while giving you life and magic (laughs) and beauty of course but anyways um I just felt like I could never get enough. And I was eating, I was eating so consciously and thoughtfully both throughout my pregnancies and postpartum. I was never putting food on the back burner because I was told by a doula that if you want to make enough milk, you need to eat, you know, so many more calories than you could possibly imagine and drink 10 ounces of water after every single time you nurse. And so I went in like, you know, ready for action. Like I was, I was primed and pumped and, you know, I was eating a ton, but the the number of nutrients these babies take for, from you is so phenomenal that I felt like I was thinking to myself, gosh, I wish that my husband was making something, you know, that had the kind of things that I would want to take, you know, the super greens and um, the protein powder, because you need so much protein when you're nursing and um, the fish oil, which, you know, is always so lovely to take as a woman in general and as a human in general, but especially when you're pregnant and breastfeeding. And so I made this whole list of things that I wished, you know, that he was selling. And I went and tried to find them, you know, in at Era One and all these different grocery stores. And everything I tried was not working for me. It either upset my stomach. Um, it just tasted awful. It had too much sugar in it. I didn't trust its source. You know, I did some additional digging and found that it wasn't sustainably sourced. You know, whatever the whatever the issue was, you know, I wasn't finding a collection of things that was utilitarian and efficient and that made sense for my body and my budget. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, well, if you can do this for, you know, for vitamins that I would never take, I can do this for women who need what I need. And starting with myself. And so I started to build the line really with pregnancy and postpartum in mind. And then I realized, you know what, I'm not going to be breastfeeding forever. I'm certainly not going to be pregnant forever. I want to build a line that will sustain me as a woman, as a powerful working woman for the rest of my life, you know. And so it's a very small collection of nutrition, but they're my core staples and the things that I feel personally have contributed to my not getting sick over the past few years as often as I should, given the fact that, you know, I have two toddlers who are wiping their noses with their hands and, you know, sharing germs with all the kids at school. I, I love that you, I didn't know that you had initially created it out, uh, out of the intention of, you know, to support you nutritionally, you know. Yes. Uh, it was a survival-based instinct. It was yeah. like, how do I get as much nourishing nutrition as I can get as functionally and efficiently as possible? Because literally, I mean, this is going to sound crazy when you're breastfeeding it's like a full-time job eating to replace the calories and to make sure that you are not just surviving but really feeding yourself enough that your body knows that it has plenty of um, nutrition on hand to spare right now do you think um because obviously outside of that your whole line is you know you're not breastfeeding anymore like those of us that you know are not like the line is good for men and women absolutely actually we have as many men buying the product as women now i have a question so if initially the um you know power punch of nutrition's was for you when you were like losing so much uh of your vitamin and and minerals Mm -hmm. is there ever such thing as like overkill of like it's not going to be too much for the those of us that 
are not, you know. Absolutely not, especially because the body doesn't absorb everything. Okay. You know, most of our bodies aren't super efficient at absorb absor- absorption. Um, and so, no. And I mean, the beauty of powders is it's like pre-digested. It's really easy to absorb. That's what I love about it. That's why I felt like it was a saving grace, you know, over these past four years. It's a saving grace for me now because I can make a smoothie in the morning with everything I need and 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 I'm running for the rest of the day. I can't know? wait to try it because the thing I love about your line, um, I mean, it just recently came out. It's not, yes. it hasn't been out, you know, I will do links and everything so everybody can check Thank it out. You. But what I love is that... Um, you know, so many uh, companies are coming out with their own lines. It can be a bit overwhelming for mm-hmm. people, um, you know, to choose the right one. And I love that. Uh, we'll just choose ours. You, you just choose yours. <laughs> but I also love that you touched on it, uh, the importance for you at being sustainably uh, sourced. And the sugar, con- like you're looking at those extra mm-hmm. things that I feel like. Listen, I give my daughter the plant-based chocolate protein powder every single morning she asked for it i mean we we were kind of testing some of the products and taste profiles on our kids because i figured if like a four-year-old and a two-year-old like it it's good stuff um my daughter begs for the chocolate smoothie every morning so it's part of her morning breakfast i mean literally every morning she has a chocolate smoothie so i feel like it has to be pure enough that you would want to give it to your children right i love this and so to take it to another level because one thing I really respect and admire about you is that um, I love your saying, oh, competitive, you're such a little Leo over here. <laughs> it's like, sure. It seems like once you've uh, checked off, I don't want to say check off the box, but like you're like, I want to do this thing. You fully commit to it. Mm-hmm. You make it happen. And that is nourishing you mm-hmm. uh, for a big part of who you, know, who you are and um, the desires you have. So would you say, like, is there another desire you have outside of you know you're kind of done mind body spirit throughout your life like you know accomplishing these big goals um becoming super wise about each of the things that you're going to dedicate your time and energy to is there something else that is kind of whispering in the background yes uh, calling to you because i feel like there would be yes I have, you're right, I had checklists. I wanted to record a record. I recorded a record in my 20s. Like, check, I wanted to overcome my fear of performing. I did that. I wanted to write a book. Now I'd love to publish the book. But really what I want to do is public speaking. And I don't know if you'd call it, like, motivational speaking. That sounds so hokey. But, like, is there another way to say that? Honest conversation with people about real life. That's what I want to do. I want to connect with people at the basis, most raw, gritty level about what's really happening in our lives and empower other people to find their authentic voice because I feel like it took me a long time to find mine and it was the key to everything working in my life. Is there something that would have been helpful for you to know when you were really when you had the you know that awareness of like oh I'm not expressing myself I'm not speaking my truth I think that if I had had a true belief that I was enough I would have been willing to say anything I think that when you fundamentally don't believe that you're enough there's a lot of fear you know, and a lot of insecurity. And it wasn't until I started vocalizing that I realized that I am enough. I'm enough of everything. And I'm okay exactly as I am. I don't need to change or be perfect to be presentable, to have a voice, to to have thoughts and opinions that are worthy of being heard. And so I think the idea that I'm enough and the idea that I'm okay exactly as I am and that I'm a work in progress and I always will be are have been the most liberating underlying beliefs that have allowed me to sort of move forward and take action in all these other areas of my life and do so much creating right because if you're if you're afraid of presenting yourself because you feel like you're not enough you know you you lurk in the shadows indefinitely and that's what that's why I was afraid to get on stage I was so afraid like what what's going to come out of me what if I miss the note what if I forget the word what if what if I just look stupid or, you know, do something weird with my head or, you know, it's like, who knows? But like the minute I kind of got over myself and realized that it doesn't matter, like I'm up there on stage so that people can connect with the truth of who I am in that moment 
And in being imperfect, I then give people permission to access their own imperfection. That to me is the greatest gift you could possibly give someone is just that vulnerability. I I love that. And what I love it, and it's so funny, like every single one of my friends and really essentially any woman I speak to, I feel like we're on two sides that meet at the center of either women I feel feel like they're not enough or they're too much Mm -hmm. and it's so funny because I think at the core level it's like it's goes back to owning your power you know well it's the same thing though it's two sides of the same coin Mm because I was way too much in quotes in my 20s in like my early teens I was too much so it's like what are you not enough of and what are you too much of and how are you perceiving those two things because depending on how you're viewing it you could say I'm not enough or I'm too much does that make sense Absolutely. it's the exact same paradigm it's like in ancient Tibetan philosophy or the, you know how the Buddhists say if one if you're looking at an elephant with your eyes closed if you're feeling an elephant with your eyes closed and I'm feeling the legs with my eyes closed and you're feeling the tail someone else is feeling the ears you know the only truth that you're really clinging to is what you're experiencing and then you open your eyes and you step back and you can see the whole elephant you know t- for me if, if my eyes are closed and I'm only feeling the elephant's ear that's all that's real is the elephant's ear it's all that's real to me it's like well it's this and then someone else says no it's that and then someone else says no that we're all of it you step back, you look at, you look at yourself entirely. Of course you're too much. Of course you're, you know, you feel like you're not enough and too much. And, you know, I'm all of it. And I think the beauty of being an empowered woman is embracing the paradox of who we are fundamentally. I'm sometimes too quiet. I'm too loud. I'm too bossy. I don't state my needs. I, I, you know, it's like, yes, yes is the answer. Also too, I think it ties into, um, you know, the boundaries within that and then how that those boundaries and those needs um, either need to be dialed up or dialed down based upon that every day we're changing. We're ever changing. Our needs are ever changing. And I think sometimes women specifically feel like once we declare this is a feeling, this is a need that it's like in stone and that you have to stick with that and meanwhile we're like I mean my needs change every five minutes I I don't know about you I mean maybe I'm like (laughs) a little bit more mercurial than the rest (laughs) I do have a, a way of you know sort of um I'm like wind, you know, I kind of just blow through the room and I'm, I'm a grounded wind and you know, it's like I'm to the left and I'm to the right, but, but yeah, of course, because we're human beings. Now, and because we were chatting before we started recording how we both, um, you know, we're, uh, I've tried to find an affectionate way to say it of like greedy experience, uh, experiential healing, Uh like anything that's a new healing modality. We're like all over it and so excited. And, um, and it's not necessarily, at least for me, like I'm not, it's not necessarily always out of like, I need to heal myself, Mm -hmm. but more of an exploration of something I don't know. Yes. Um, for you, cause I know you were, it's also part of your village is that exploration of all these different healing modalities Mm -hmm. is. Is, um, do you feel like in experiencing that, that that has been a great support for you in your different creative endeavors? I don't know if it directly affects my creative endeavors, but I think that anything that affects my fundamental being and my outlook on life will be translated through whatever I create, right? So everything is influenced by, you know, how we think and what we feel and experience. So I do talk to everyone under the sun. I have a very vast network of healers who I associate with and consult with. And I feel like it's all filtering through whatever, whatever opens my soul and makes me feel more alive is going to affect what I'm capable of creating and the degree to which I even allow myself to create. Oh, so yes. So good. Now, what has been your greatest challenge um, with, uh, you know, creating your Alaya Naturals? Um, you mean from a business standpoint it or from a... anything from your heart? Actually, I don't mm-hmm. care about the business. For you personally, uh-huh. for Shauna. 
Well, the greatest challenge has been that I feel like the conversation about wellness and nutrition is so limited. And so, you know, you go to a website or you hear a podcast or you find out through a newsletter about my products and you order some supplements. And I'm such a soul-driven person that it's like for every customer, I want to know why you're buying my products and what else I can do to help you. It's like, and, and who else I can direct into your life to maybe provide some guidance. So it's like, are you lacking energy? Are you just curious? Um, you know, are you wanting to create something and move forward to get the promotion? And so, you know, you want to feel your best. Are you trying to lose weight? Are you trying to gain weight? Like, I want to know what's going on with everyone. And so I feel like there's a, there's a huge limitation to not being able to interact with every customer and know every customer. Um, which I think circles back around to your, you know, previous question of what I want to do next, which is really talk to people. Um, because I, I'm so committed to fundamentally like what makes people's lives work and I feel like the nutrition piece is a huge part of it for me but I also know that there are all these other components that you and I have had this beautiful access to like you know understanding you know how to access our emotions or doing body work or receiving a massage that allows us to unwind after a hard day or you know whatever else it is that we utilize to feel whole Um, and so I think what's been my greatest challenge is feeling just the limitation of product versus experience and connecting with people through the experience, if that makes sense. But don't you think that, um, I mean, Aliyah is so new mm-hmm. and um, uh, secret announcement listeners, Shauna will be coming out with a podcast, so keep an eye on that. <laughs> yes. uh, um, Thank you. I feel like you will be doing that, absolutely. And I think yeah. that um, through your podcast that you have and also through public speaking, I feel like, you know, to connect one-on-one with somebody, it's like when you have that audience that's listening, I think, you know, those are the people that you've attracted to you and they will feel connected as if it's one-on-one. I appreciate that. Because you've called them in. It's like everybody that's listening right now. Yeah. Yes, you listening. Who's listening <laughs> uh, you've been attracted to the spirit tribe. Uh, oh. and to, oh. <laughs> the gongs. The gongs. Yes. Um, All the crystals are So I'm a big shimmering. believer in that. I feel like your audience, you know, it's in your soul pod. Like, I feel like whoever is um, listening to us is in our soul pod. I love that. Even if they think it's bullshit. I love it. You know, bring on the skeptic. Bring on the and skeptic. do you know what's so great about about kind of where I am in my life right now is the level of acceptance I have for myself is so deep and wide that I don't feel like there are all these things I have to do or like achieve or perfect in order to move forward with the public speaking piece or the motivational speaking because with singing for instance I felt like I had to get to a certain point like vocally where I had a right to perform you know and like that's just so limiting and that's so sad funny I've shared with so many friends that even this podcast like you know I've been shooting I've been a professional photographer you know director for over 15 years now Mm -hmm. and it's like you know I had to get over this limiting belief of like who am I to start a podcast I don't like that is not what I do I don't record I'm not like and it's also I'm used to being behind the scenes Mm -hmm. so to have this is very like I've joked before like it's vulnerability hangover after each one because like do you feel what do you feel after a podcast I love this so much and I'm excited mostly because I love the conversations I have and I'm excited to introduce uh, everybody I'm speaking to to more people Mm -hmm. I know I'm very much a connector Mm -hmm. and I, you know, um, I'm also a big believer in that if you're listening and you get one little nugget, Mm -hmm. one little gem of insight, or if you're completely like, it's not even about being skeptical. It's like, this is bullshit. This is not working for me. Mm -hmm. That then empowers you even more of what is working for you and not. Totally. This is an exploration of um, tools. I essentially want to present all these variations of tools. Um, I want people to feel connected and inspired. And um, like you were speaking earlier, like being given permission. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you know, I think I'm very also curious and, you know, with the pressures that new moms have Mm -hmm. and like, oh, you're, you're like not a good mom if you're, you know, are doing this and other things like, you know, to give permission, you're allowed to want the things you want. You're allowed to go after Mm -hmm. and, you know, it is 
your birthright. It's, su- it's to such do a so. it's such a tough balance, though. I can tell you. I can't imagine the parts I mean, of myself that you know I feel like I've sacrificed, and how I'm sort of resurrecting them from like a deep dark womb of longing and desire. You know, it's like I'm sort of unearthing now all of these pieces of myself that I temporarily tucked away, sort of subconsciously, just in order to be present for my children. And understanding that, you know, my children want to see an empowered, alive, awake, you know, inspired woman and mother. So do you feel like you've tucked away parts of yourself in order to the music piece way? the music piece and that was really hard for me because I got an A I was offered an A&R deal when I was four months pregnant with my first child and it's like I had worked 10 years for that opportunity yeah. and I'm such an all-or-nothing person and you know felt like so I wanted to sign it and then a lawyer <laughs> advised me against it but you know the point is you know for the past few years I kind of let music go entirely um, because I was such in the rhythm of like thinking about everything through the lenses of song and lyric and melody um, that in order to sort of be there for my kids, I I felt like I couldn't be at the studio as often as I wanted to be. I, I was called into projects that I, you know, to write for other artists that I turned down because, you know, I felt like there was, there was for me and my kids, like an appropriate hibernation stage. I think I took a little too far and, um, you know, music is part of my life force. It's what part of my food. Too far, the hibernation part? Not necessarily the hibernating part, but like feeling like I couldn't incorporate things that I loved into my everyday life because it had to be done a certain way. But don't you, you know? think it's just you're going with the season? Yeah, and I mean, you know, it's and it's hard to know fully. Like, f- I did what for me felt appropriate at the time, and I, f- I feel like kids are only infants and babies once, and it goes really fast. I, I needed to slow down. I needed to slow down for myself and for them. It wasn't time to be kind of flitting around on stage for me. Another mother could probably, like, strap her child into an ergo and and go to the studio with a friend or a caretaker or a husband or a nanny or a partner or someone else and and do her thing you know that wasn't me I wasn't able to multitask in that way also too it sounds like back to you know thing that you know so sure about yourself is um you don't like to be rushed Yes. You are fully present in whatever you do, and you're not going to half-ass it. Yeah. And you don't want to be rushed through the process. Yeah, rushing is is no bueno for me. You know what's so funny with our difference? Because I don't like rushing either, but clearly I'm a little bit of a more intense uh, personality type. Mm-hmm. But, like, I... I try not to use the word neurotic and prefer to use the term thorough. <laughs> <laughs> Nuanced. <laughs> yes, there you go. Attention to um, detail. But, like, I, ha- I will get anxiety about time with like travel yeah. or um meeting so- like I don't like rushing so yes. sometimes I'll go the opposite end of me like obnoxiously early yes. just because I do not like the feeling of being rushed I'd rather wait on somebody than have them wait totally. on me I'm the same um, way but I do love um you know because I had heard on another podcast um an interview with you I love that you set yourself up for success with your rituals of like going to bed at a certain time, letting mm-hmm. your body wake up naturally, which I just think is such a simple, powerful tool when we're able to do it. Um, and when I say we're able to do it, but like I, I can, when I'm in that, I just, everything feels good. It does. Um, it does. I just love it so much. So what is something that you wish even now or when you were little that what is a question you wish someone would ask you a question that they would that you wish somebody would ask you what do you need i think it's that simple what do you feel like you need right now in my life in general what do i need my first thought is what i need is unconditional compassion for myself and how would that how does that feel and look for you that looks like everything is okay everything I'm thinking feeling the thing I didn't do the way I wanted to do the thing that didn't get done right in quotes 
um, wanted to be early, showed up late. Uh, I broke a glass right before I was heading out the door to meet you for this podcast, like a thousand pieces of glass, literally at the exact time I meant to leave. Um, and I have a two-year-old in the house, so I had to, you know, I had to clean it up. Life happens, right? And I think that for me, the piece of just understanding that it's all okay, everything is okay. You know, it doesn't make anyone bad to have things not look a certain way. It doesn't mean you're lazy or sloppy. You're not, you know, it doesn't mean that you're not enough. If you don't get the promotion at the exact moment you want it, maybe it's not the right job. Maybe you're going to start your own business or company. Maybe you need another year to grow and be, and be mentored before you get that promotion. You know, maybe what you need is to quit that job and go to Bermuda for a year and start a kayaking company. You know, like it doesn't, you know, we, we're, we're so busy punishing ourselves, I think, so much of the time and sort of have like a running narrative of judgment about how we're performing as human beings. Did I, you know, should I have said that? Should I not have said that? Should I, you know, should I have said that differently? And it's like, we're okay. It's okay. You know? And so I think the compassion piece is, is everything, you know, it's not, um, it doesn't give us license to be thoughtless you know, but I think what it does is is it, it heightens our awareness of, of what's important and allows us to let go of what's not. I love that. Yay. And then my last question is because you are a fellow sweet tooth. Yes. Um, what is like <laughs> the next dessert or your most favorite? Um, like, what are you baking next? I know you're a baker. I'm baking everything at the moment. I've been in massive baking mode. I just discovered a vegan coffee cake at um, this bakery near my house called Aaron McKenna. Uh-huh. It's a New York City-based bakery, and they just opened around the corner for me within walking distance. So dangerous. Oh, that's and of course, I feel the need to like bring it to everyone I'm seeing. Like I have friends who just had kids, and I'm like, or new babies, you know. And so I'm like bringing them like boxes of pastries. I'm like, this is not what you like, need. Do, <laughs> but I'm like bake, secret, secretly like, doing it for myself. Do you ever bake with your powders? Can you bake with your powders? Yeah, I do a lot of stuff with them. I do a lot of. Um, like the more of like the raw balls, like the oh, yeah, no cook like stuff. Balls. Yeah, the balls are good, and like the no the no bakes, you know the yeah. no, the no bake stuff. But yeah, you can you can put collagen, and I do, I put them in muffins. Um, I put protein powder muffins. I put them in mousse and in puddings, and I mean you, really you can add it to anything. Cookies. Oh, I just had brownies. I was like asked about dessert. Clearly, I'm like. Oh, anyway, so I want to replicate that vegan coffee oh, you're cake. Make it? I'm going to try. I'm going to try to do my own version of it. Tester when you Thank replicate you. it. So, um, uh, you're do- I'm, I'm doing the thing where I'm on the phone. I do this to everybody when I'm on the phone with them. They like think they're about to get off and I'm like, I have one more thing to say. <laughs> and an hour so later. Yeah, I'm <laughs> totally <laughs> notorious. It's like my sister and, and it's like, I was like, I gotta go. I gotta go. I'm like, no, I got yeah. one more thing yeah. to say. So your daughter is like super magical little two-year-old. Sure is. Is there, do you feel with this experience of owning your truth, stepping into your power, um, really like letting, giving yourself creative freedom, do you feel, um, I don't want to say pressure, but like looking at this little mini you, Mm. essentially, has that inspired you in a new way with her growing up you know being little like creative play speaking your truth yeah I think this I think the acceptance piece is huge I think it's the self-acceptance because you know you go through your life trying to figure yourself out and perfect yourself and make yourself able to function in society and survive (laughs) you know and then you create this little human and you have to start the process all over again in terms of allowing them to be exactly who they are. You know, they come in kind of baked in certain ways. And I'm more here to mentor and to facilitate, you know, the best aspects of her and to, and to try to help her negotiate and work with and understand and have compassion for the parts that, you know, can be a little scratchy. Um, when I see the the <laughs> the violent passion of my daughter, the the reckless, you know, I love so, violent passion. yes, yes, <laughs> I use that word. Um, she, you know, she is reckless in her passion. She's so full of life, and it's in, there's this level of immediacy. I mean, sure, she's a toddler, but this is also her personality. My son was not this way. Um, when I see her spinning out of control, I totally recognize myself in that, and. 
And instead of trying to make it all look and feel really appropriate and get it under control, you know, and like, oh my gosh, I have to manage this. She's having a temp, temp, tamper tantrum. We're outside in a public place. And it's like, I just take some really deep breaths. I do, I do three really deep breaths in on the count of five, hold, exhale to five so that I know that I'm, I'm not going straight to my primal brain of wanting to like, you know, fix this. And then I really look at her and go like, okay, what is she really trying to say? You know, like, what is she really trying to express? And how can I help her do that in a way that's really productive so that she's going to manifest the result and the outcome that she wants? Um, sometimes there, you know, she, it's not always about getting her way, you know, but so that she feels heard and understood, um, but, but learns also how to self-soothe and manage behavior to a degree that will allow her to have friends and relationships that are functional, you know, <laughs> but I feel like, you know, I don't know, I don't know how I was as a little girl. I certainly know how I was in my twenties, which involved a lot of spinning out of control. And I sort of wished that I had had within myself, the maternal tools Mm -hmm. to mother myself through those moments where I felt like I was so lost in passion or recklessness or imagination. And that, you know, I could sort of bring myself down, but do so in such a loving and kind and gentle way that no one's feeling punished or accused you know and so yeah I see so much of myself and my daughter she's a wackadoo she's got a great like a, a hilarious sense of humor already um she loves to perform she totally pretends she doesn't want attention and she's always like trying to steal a glance from strangers on the street you know she secretly loves the limelight like her mama um but she definitely is her own personality you know and so I'm I'm holding her as she dances and sings and creates her own songs. I mean, she's extremely musical. She's you know, sometimes her songs are co- coherent, mostly they're not. <laughs> Doesn't matter. She's making sound. I love that. I applaud her for making noise and getting loud. And you know, it's interesting, you know, because the other day she started making these really loud sounds. It was dinner time. We were at the table. It was just her and I eating, and she started making these wailing sounds and thinking they were hilarious. And my instinct twice was to try to like dial down the volume and I was like but why so I'll be more comfortable so the neighbors don't think she's shouting you know why am I asking her to be quiet in this moment and I feel like it was a really important question because we often have these you know habituated responses to really beautiful you know primal expression that we want to clamp down on just because we're used to having to keep it quiet, you know? And so she made these horrendous loud (laughs) squealing noises that gave her so much pleasure and probably vibrated through her body in ways that were really healing and a, a very powerful release. And I could just sit back and go, wow, I wish I had let myself make that much noise at a young age. I love that. Well, I just want to take a second and honor you for the amazing mother you are, for the entrepreneur that you are, smart businesswoman, wise woman, uh, ultimate creator. Like, I mean, I just think it's so inspiring and so remarkable all the things you've done and I know it can you know it sounds like a little, little bit like you can be a little hard on yourself with completing these different things but I have no doubt in my mind like you know all these seasons are working to your benefit and literally your book will be published your Alaya Naturals line is just going to expand and grow your speaking is going to grow and um, who knows maybe you'll be uh, opening up for yourself at a speaking engagement with uh, <laughs> some of your songs um, <laughs> Oh my god, I just thought that would be great. No one's doing that. I love it. I love it. (laughs) So thank you so, so much for coming on. And I cannot wait to make some no-bake balls. Let's do it, girl. Followed by vegan coffee cake. (laughs) Yes. Thank you so much. Thank you, Diana. That's a wrap for today on the Healer Dealer Podcast. If you like this episode, it would mean the world to me if you could leave a review, let me know what you loved about it, and pass along to your family and friends. Thank you so much for being here. Hope to see you next time. Cheers. Cheers.